This is Larry. He is my bae. He is V cool. Hundo P. I ship Larry. His whip is on fleek. You don't think so? I will throw you some shade if you are salty. I am bouncing. KK? <laughs> now, raise your hand if you understood what that meant, or most of what that meant. Wow, what? <laughs> Only that. Thank you, Victor. If you understood that entire statement, you are cool. You are cool. You are probably a millennial. If you're wondering what Larry's whip is and why I'm talking about that in a sermon, uh, you are not cool. You are old. But that's okay. Because if you are like me, you don't even know that you don't know this vocabulary. Right? You don't know that bouncing doesn't have anything to do with the ball. And just to give you some comfort, Larry's whip, that is his Jeep. And it is on fleek. And our ship is our relationship. Words, over time, words get hijacked or they get invented. What is on fleek? That's not, that wasn't a word. Now it is a word. Patsy is shaking her head, don't know what on fleek is. Yeah. You'll know by the end of this chapel. Well, I'm not going to tell you, but somebody here will. Yeah, words get hijacked or they get invented. That is nothing new. That's always been a part of culture changing, right? Words can take on new meanings because they are taken captive by culture. They are taken captive by culture. And that is exactly what has happened to our text that we have been studying for the last few months in 1 Corinthians 13. So today I want to rescue this text. I want to rescue 1 Corinthians 13 from a similar predicament to salty and bouncing and whip. Paul's letter to this Christian community has been hijacked by our culture's fanaticism with romance. 1 Corinthians 13 has been usurped by weddings and flowers and frilly dresses and kisses and love songs and sentimentality, kind of like this video. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, if I have knowledge and the gift of prophecy, and if I have the faith that can move mountains, if I have keen insight to fathom mysteries, now if I speak in the tongues of men and Yeah, that just makes you want to throw up, right? Me too. <laughs> it got hijacked. This passage got hijacked by our world. So let me read it to you today. Actually, let's say it together. 1 Corinthians 13, and we're just going to look at verses 4 to 7 today. So would you read this along with me? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. 
It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Amen? Amen. That is the word of the Lord. We need to rescue this text of romantic sentimentality because love has been misunderstood. Love is not best communicated in marriage and dating relationships. Love is best understood in community. Wesley Hill, author of Washed and Waiting, he talks about this in his book, and he shares with us that when Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthians, just a few chapters prior to that in chapter 7, there's a whole chapter there on marriage and sex and relationships and singleness. And not once does Paul talk about love. Nowhere in that entire chapter. He waits for it, waits for it, waits for it. I saw Hamilton last night, by the way. Yeah, he waits for it, Tara Brooke is shaking her head. She's jealous. <laughs> no, Paul waits for it. He waits until he gets to chapter 12, to, to chapter 14, because there is where he's going to talk about community. And that's where the conversation about love belongs. The whole chapter is this impassioned vision of a more excellent way in which the members of this Corinthian Christian community should treat one another as they act out, not in some pretentious way of acting, but act out in works as they practice the character of love. Let me reread it to you again. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Let's not let secular culture hijack or define how we will love. This story that's been given to us by God instructs us in a better way. So today, let us reclaim the definition of love and redefine how we understand what love is and what love does. This passage, it begs us the question, how do our own actions and our own relationships within a community, and I'm going to say within this community, how do our own actions and relationships express or fail to express love for one another? 
Eugene Peterson is a, was an American pastor, author, expert on pastoral theology. He passed away recently. But he was this exemplary picture of what it means to be a pastor. When he talks about relationships, he talks about them in a Christian community. For him, that meant his local church. So for us, it's, it's going to be us. It's going to be this campus. And he shares this. Humility is a way of living your life in relationship to others without competing. This is the one place, this sacred place, where we live without competing. Authenticity, being content to be yourself without competing. He shares there's nobody else like you since the foundation of the world. So the church or our community is at its best when it lets us, it encourages us to be ourselves, to be our true selves in Christ Jesus. So can I just be myself for a minute with you? I am trying to figure you out, ENC. I am trying to figure out your language. And I'm trying to do that as me. I'm not trying to do that as Montague or Corey or JD. Those are some chaplains before me. I'm not trying to do it their way. I love those guys. They get props. I learn so much from them, from each one of them. I continue to learn from them. And I have loved that. But I am not them. I am not competing with them to be your chaplain. I am trying to figure out what bouncing and bay and V means. <laughs> because I want to speak your language. And I'm not sure, although I'm not sure I want to speak your language, but I want to learn what your language is. I want to understand it because I'm trying to figure out how to live with you. I'm trying to figure out how to listen to you. I am trying to figure out how to love you. I am trying to learn what it means to be a pastor on the job. That's what all pastors do. I will make mistakes as your chaplain. But what I won't do is sit back and give up and try to compete with some other chaplain. I am just going to be myself with you. And that is what it means to pastor. So if love always trusts, then I can trust you not to force me to compete with anyone else who has stood on this platform before me in my spiritual journey. And you can trust me not to force you to compete with anyone else in their spiritual journey. When we all desire to be the same thing, look the same way, Paul talks about this in chapter 12, right? We all desire to be the mouth or the eye or the foot or the hand. That would be a monstrosity, a walking eyeball, right? <laughs> that would be a monstrosity, a hand, if all of us were just this one giant hand. Being a monstrosity means, one, when we seek to be something we are not designed to be, and two, we believe that we are more important than any of the other parts of the body. 
God, God has called us to be uniquely us. The community that God has called us to be together. So let's be our true selves in Christ, the way, via. That is what it means to be a holy people. So, how can we begin to live in this most excellent way? Sorin, sorry, Soren Kierkegaard, a 19th century Danish philosopher, theologian, religious author, wrote, To the Christian, love is the works of love. Let me say that again. For a Christian, love is the works of love. The character of love is the works of love in our community. There are lots of ways that we do the works of love. Lots of ways we can think through this passage and think through how we can be patient and kind. Paul says it this way because they were, treating, they were mistreating each other. He says love is kind because those who had status and wealth in their community were being unkind to those who lacked status and wealth in their community. But for the first time, maybe in their lives, they found themselves sitting at the same table with each other and having a conversation and a meal with each other. And so Paul is instructing them to be kind to this person that requires them to cross a boundary of difference, perhaps for the first time in their lives. Love is kind. They listened to each other at the table, listening to each other and treating each other with kindness. In 1991, I was a senior here at ENC. And for that entire year, once a week, I would go and spend time with a woman on this campus whose name was Dorothy. Dorothy was kind to me. She spent about an hour every week listening to me. Sometimes she gave instruction and counseling, and most times we prayed together. And she was kind to me for an entire year. Just recently, Dorothy Tarrant came back to our campus. I hadn't seen her since 1992. She's in her 70s, maybe 80s. She lives in Scotland. So I honestly never thought I was going to get the chance to thank Dorothy, but she showed up for homecoming this year. And on that Sunday morning of homecoming weekend, she was sitting back there kind of near Zoe. And uh, I was sitting over here kind of near Jake Plouffe. And at one point in Stretch's sermon, he said, is there somebody here that you haven't seen in a while you need to connect with? Let's just take a few moments to do that. So I got up out of my seat and I walked around the back and over there to that corner and when I came face to face with Dorothy Tarrant, I was left speechless. It was as if 25, 30 years were gone, and I was overcome by her kindness, by the way that she listened to me. And I just wanted to pour out and tell her that what you did for an entire year of my life changed my life, changed my life. 
fast forward uh, to 2016. I guess that's going back if you're where we were at homecoming weekend. <laughs> Larry had come up here uh, about a month before our family moved here. And he, it was a spring evening, and the Red Sox were playing, and so he decided to go into the game. And he got on the tee, and I'm, I know some of you have heard this story before, but such a great story of kindness and listening. So Larry sat in his seat on the tee, and down at the other end of the train car was a man who was talking to himself. Nobody was listening. Actually, most people were trying to move away from him. And so Larry was there, and, and he, Larry likes to do these social experiments. So he looked at the man, and he just decided in his head, I'm going to take a posture of listening with this man on the train car. I don't know him. People are trying to avoid him. I'm going to just take a posture of listening. So he sort of leaned over and put his hand on his chin, and he looks right into the man's eyes and starts shaking his head as he's just going on and on about himself, having a conversation with himself. And so he's sitting over here, and he finally connects with Larry's eyes and realizes that someone is listening to him. So he looks back, and he sits up, and he says, Hey, who are you? And Larry, on the other end of the car, he yells back, I'm Larry! Now people are moving away from Larry in the train car. <laughs> and the man says, I'm Ed! Larry says, Hi, Ed! And they begin to have this conversation in the train car. Right? Back and forth, back and forth. And it got to the spot where Larry was getting off, off the train to transfer to the green line. And he says, Ed, I got to go. This is my stop. And Ed's like, Larry, don't go. <laughs> it's like, sorry, man, I got to go. I'll see you later. And Larry steps off the train car. And as he's walking out into Park Street, I'm guessing, Ed stands up from his seat in the train, and he looks out the door, and even as the doors are closing, he says, Larry, I love you! Love is kind. Love listens. Every other week, you and I have the opportunity to listen to each other on this campus in story circles. That is one place where you and I can embody the character of love by doing the works of love, by listening. So if you're looking for something to take away from this chapel, a way to embody the works of love, you can do that this Sunday by attending a story circle at 8 p.m. Tara Brooke is going to share more about that in chapel on Friday. Actually, we're going to have a story circle right here on the platform, and we're all going to listen in. Larry was kind. Dorothy was kind. 
character of love is the works of love in the community. Love is also not self-seeking. It is generous. In the Corinthian Christian community, there were people, again, who were someones, other people sort of designated as no ones. And each week they sat at the table. Someone who enjoyed popularity and platform ate next to someone who was unknown, unnamed, almost without a face, blending in to that Corinthian crowd. And Paul tells them, love is not self-seeking. Love doesn't take the platform and selfishly keep it. But when we're given platform, we offer that to the one who doesn't have it. Because keeping it to ourselves, that is self-seeking. Elevating ourselves and using our platform. But Paul asked them, instead of elevating self, would you take someone who doesn't have platform, would you be generous with that and allow their voice to be heard? When you have abundance, give to those who are lacking so that when they have plenty and perhaps you're the one in need, they will give back to you. This Friday, we're going to begin a new opportunity for all of us to, um, to be generous. It's something that we're going to do every Friday. So beginning this Friday and for the rest of this school year, we're going to start a compassion offering. And so whatever change you have in your pocket, whatever you have in your purse, I'm just realizing that's probably not a word you use anymore. <laughs> um, you can throw it into that compassion offering. And at the end of this school year, we're going to give that offering to the anchor. The anchor is a ministry to the community of Hull which provides uh, community support, prevention, and recovery help for those struggling with substance abuse disorders. Their ministry leaders believe that um, this is best accomplished through a physical location. And so they've actually, Emily Ludwig just told me this morning, that a synagogue has given them a place to use in Hull. And they're going to begin renovating that uh, community center and begin using that for this hurting part of the community in Hull. So every Friday, uh, you are going to have the chance to participate in a compassion offering. And at the end of this school year, we'll give that to Kurt Gerald, the director of the Anchor Ministry. Love is not self-seeking. The works of love share platform. Our world hijacked love. God's words, though, have redefined it. So let's you and me, let us reimagine the character of love in God's way, not in a sappy, romantic, frilly dress notion of love, but in doing the works of love in our community. And our prayer is God. May it be so. Amen.
grace to them. May we all find a place to belong here. Show us the way to love. 